0: Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? Who are those guys? I'm Galen, and I'm Doug,
1: and we're Those Movie Guys, bringing movie reviews and previews to the masses since 2007. Today is Monday, September 17th, 2007. Today on the show, we have reviews of 310 to Yuma, starring Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. Then we're going to review Away From Her, the recent DVD release starring uh, Julie Christie. And then finally, we're going to count down our top five movie outlaws of all time.
0: And now we take a look at our feature release of 310 to Yuma. The western, once a staple of blockbuster cinema, has essentially disappeared as a genre over the past few decades. Yes, every year sees the release of one or two, but gone are the early days where nearly every other movie was a Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, or Gary Cooper western. Now, despite this lack of quantity, the quality of the few films in this genre that do come out such as Unforgiven and The Proposition, are quite often fantastic. So when we saw that a new western, or at least a remake, was coming out starring Christian Bale and Russell Crowe, two of the best actors of this generation, we were admittedly excited. 310 to Yuma is the story of a poor rancher, Dan Evans, played by Christian Bale, who was injured in the Civil War and agrees to escort outlaw Ben Wade, who is Russell Crowe's character, to Yuma Prison for the combined reasons of saving his ranch and proving himself to his son. Of course, things don't go so smoothly as the rest of Wade's gang pursue them in a desperate attempt to free their leader. Now, while neither of us is a huge fan of the Western genre, we both love a good one. So I'm going to ask you, is this one of the masterpieces of the genre, or just a quick fix for the Western junkie?
1: I think this is one of the masterpieces. I think it's completely brilliant. I was riveted from beginning to end. I I don't think I can tell you how much I love this movie. I'm I'm going to start with the the element that I think is the the most integral integral to the success of this film okay. is the performances, which are all around fantastic. I I think the standout is Russell Crowe as Ben Wade. I mean, you have this combination of this guy who is... Who, he's the typical laconic Western hero... Or, well, anti-hero in this case. He's, he's quiet, doesn't talk a whole lot. He's very learned. I mean, he's extremely intelligent. But at the same time, that is, intelligence is juxtaposed with this sheer brutality. And there are moments when he's very charming, but whenever you look in his eyes, he has this brutal streak. And there are some great scenes, like in the bar, between him and the, the waitress in the bar.
0: Vanessa Shaw. Yeah,
1: is a fantastic scene that really shows you his character. The, the, it, it shows you the perfect combination of the raw brutality of Ben Wade with the charm and refinement of the character. And it just, it's a beautifully done scene, and beautifully acted by Russell Crowe. I think, in fact, this may be my favorite performance from Russell Crowe. I mean, he was obviously great in Gladiator and Master and Commander, but I I think this is his best work. I was just...
0: I was just completely
1: taken in by it. Um... I also, uh, I don't want to go on too long before giving you a chance to speak, but I think Christian Bale is also a great actor, and, and it gives a great performance in this. as almost the anti-Ben Wade. I mean, his character is kind of beaten and withdrawn, and he's just kind of going through the motions until he finds this, and he just has kind of gotten fed up, and his he finally goes about to, you know, prove himself to himself and his family. And I, I think he, you know, I don't think his performance is quite as good as Crow's, but it definitely stands up next to it. And a lot of their scenes together are just completely riveting. Now I'll let you talk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I don't have a whole lot more to say. I certainly agree with you on every respect. I don't know if I've ever sat in a theater where the whole theater wasn't entirely glued to the picture. Yeah. I mean, and it was pretty crowded on the the time I went. And even during the quiet moments of the scene, of the movie, you can usually hear maybe someone whisper or whatever, but no, I mean, you could hear a pin drop. Everybody was entirely gripped in this movie, including me. Yeah. Acting is probably one of the biggest things that helps it. I agree. Russell Crowe <clears throat> is probably the best of the bunch, but Christian Bale is certainly good, and so are even the supporting actors. And I-, I love both the quiet and the action moments. You know, the the use of extreme close-ups really helps to, you know, let the audience see the hardened faces of these characters, yeah. but yet the brilliant writing and the scripting just really adds a third dimension to all of them.
1: Yeah. you're... And oh God.
0: The action scenes are just all of them very, very intense. You know, edge of your seat type intense. You know that rival any action scene. Big budget action movie today.
1: Absolutely. I, I know Two scenes that I I wanted to just mention that I I think are two of the best action scenes I've ever seen, or at least in a long time, are the one the the early stagecoach robbery. Whenever Ben Wade's gang is robbing the the coach that has the money for the bank, I mean that was just a terrific scene. I mean it was you were completely on the edge of your seat through that whole sequence. It was shot beautifully. You know, you have great desert cinematography the whole way through. Oh,
0: yeah, the cinematography, <clears throat> the composition, the sets, the scenery, all of that is an extreme high point of this movie. Yeah. It is gorgeous to look at.
1: And and the other action sequence is at the end of the movie when their mate, Christian Bale and Russell Crowe are making their final run to the train. And, yes. I mean, that is just fantastic. It, it's another one where you are just completely captivated and I, I think the big thing of both of those scenes is what makes action exciting is whenever you're invested in the characters because you actually give a damn what's happening to them. And it I don't through the performances and also the writing's terrific as well. You really care about both Ben Wade and Dan Evans in this film. I mean you're completely Invested in what happens to these two, so that makes the final scene all the more riveting because you are you're concerned about what happens to them and what's what's going to happen while they're being shot at and running through the streets.
0: <clears throat> well, I certainly agree. The only, you happen to mention the ending, yes. If I had to make one tiny minor nitpick with this movie, mm-hmm. it's that the the very like, as the scene goes on f- with Dan Evans getting Ben Wade to the train, yes, that, yes, that's very, very awesome scene. It's very intense. But when he gets to the, t- the train... Okay,
1: watch the spoilers, though, because right, this is a new one. something
0: happens, and, and I have to admit, it was actually pretty predictable, and it's not that it was done poorly, that's why I wouldn't criticize the, the movie all that much, but it's like... It's something that I saw coming, like within the first twenty minutes.
1: Yeah, the
0: I, I knew something was going to happen.
1: Part of you're right. Part of it is predictable, but I think they offset that by making Ben Wade's character's reaction so unpredictable. Because I, I, I don't think he does. That. Yeah, he doesn't. Even though you kind of know what's going to happen, you don't know how. Ben Wade's going to react at all, and I don't think you could really guess it, but whenever he does it, it makes sense for his character, because
0: he's such a complex
1: character.
0: Well, and that that was going to comment just similar to that, I think that unpredictability of Ben Wade's character is what makes him such a strong character. Oh, yeah. Just when you think you know him and have him figured out, he surprises you.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I just, I I love this movie. they aren't cheap surprises, either no no i I mean that's what's great about about Ben Wade is that he is the it it is this this um contradiction really between this man who's extremely intelligent he's well read i mean you know he knows his bible he 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 he's reads an artist. yeah he's an artist he's extremely intelligent for a man of his time, especially when a lot of man men in the west wouldn't have even been literate and at the same time he's also shockingly brutal. And it, it kinda reminded me of the little Bill character in Unforgiven. I mean
0: yeah, played fact, by Gene
1: Hackman.
0: I, I love the scene where Russell Crowe's character offers Christian Bale's character a large sum of money to help him escape. Yeah. And you know, his reasons for it, the money, you know, one of the things he says to send your boys to school. Yeah, it's yeah. kinda interesting how education is really an important part to this character of Russell Crowe. It is, and
1: I mean, that's why, even though these characters are obviously at odds, they find something to respect in each other, because in a lot of ways, they're the same guy. They've just, in Ben Wade, the the desire to succeed and, and get his share has won out, whereas in the character of Dan Evans, nobility and honor have won out. You know, but basically, they're. I mean, they're. They're both intelligent. They're. They both are very observant. They both know what's going on. It's just their reactions to their world. The decisions they have made are different. So I think that's why they respect each other and actually grow to form a strange bond by the end of the film. Um. Another thing I wanted to talk about briefly. You mentioned the supporting performances. And, yeah, I two that really struck out were Gretchen Maul, who we've seen in uh, The Notorious Betty Page. She played Betty Page. And in this, she plays Dan Evans' wife, Alice. And she was really terrific in that role. It's not a huge role by any means, but she really I does agree. a great job with it. I, I would agree. <laughs> and uh, Peter Fonda is Byron. The uh the Pinkerton who who's kind of been the foil to Ben Wade's character for years. He's really right. great in his role as well. So, I mean they and, and also uh the the actor who plays Charlie Prince, Ben Foster, is just really great in that role too. This guy who's, you know, almost slavishly devoted to Ben Wade. And right. uh it's just that I mean that helps too because you have obviously these crowned performances that really are oscar worthy I don't know if they'll get nominated at all but they're they, they deserve it
0: I do agree they deserve it but...
1: and th- that's great but whenever you throw in the supporting cast that have these terrific supporting performances too it just it creates such a rich film. It's Like I said, I think it's my favorite film of the year today, honestly. I, I think it's that good.
0: It is good. I don't know if I'd call it my favorite film. It, it is excellent.
1: Okay, well, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt of where we're going with this, but Doug, from 1 to 5, how are you going to rate 310 to Yuma?
0: Just very, very minor nitpicks. I'm giving it a four and a half out of five. I'm
1: giving it a five. I think it's one of the masterpieces of the genre. Now we're going to take a look at the recent DVD release of Away From Her. Well, now that we've gotten all that dark stuff out of the way, it's time to review the feel-good DVD of the year, Away From Her. And what can be more cheery than the story of an elderly couple, very much in love, well, at least one of them is, going through the suffering of Alzheimer's. Julie Christie plays a woman who is enduring just such a fate when she is diagnosed with the disease and her husband, played by Gordon Pinsent, must place her in a nursing home. Now, both you and I have had experience with the tragedy of Alzheimer's in our lives, and as such, understand the tool it can take. Does this film do a good job of conveying the heartbreak of losing someone you love to a debilitating disease? And more importantly, does the film cause you to sympathize with the characters going through this ordeal?
0: In a word, yes. I think this was a superb movie. So superb, I can't think of any one thing about this movie that I would change. Really? I I think from the acting, I've never felt an emotional connection such as the one I felt with these two characters of Grant and Fiona. Mm -hmm. I, I love... I fall in love with her just as much as he does. I I like him too. I think they're both terrific actors. I think they're both terrific characters. I I love how the movie rips at you so emotionally, but yet it's not what's the word I'm looking for melodramatic. It's not no. They aren't doing cheap sort of drama to pull tears from you. You know, just as as you said, you shed tears with Bridge to Terabithia. Yeah, this movie pulled a tear from me. I, I loved it. I loved everything about it. Wow.
1: Well, I'm I'm very happy for you. Although I I, <laughs> I, I I'm 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 being uh, playful, but I actually did like it too. I don't think quite as much as you did, but I did think it was very good. Um, you talked about the performances, and yeah, Jolie Christie is terrific in this role. I, I mean, because you're right, it so easily could have gone into melodrama, and it it doesn't. It, it She keeps it real. I mean, because there is that moment early on whenever she pretends like she forgets what's going on, and, and yeah. he gets that look on his face, and then she just laughs and says, just kidding. And, you know, it, it's little moments like that that add a realism to it because i mean that's it seems real like that's how someone in this position would act you know trying to put a brave face on it
0: and i agree i think that is the movie's strongest point is the realism i mean with my grandmother this is almost identical to what happened just that that slow turn where mm-hmm. you know at certain occasions she said something that might have been you know huh, you know, makes you say, makes you wonder what she was talking about, and then, you know, it eventually continues to absorb her more and more until she becomes a different person. Now, the difference we experienced as opposed to this film is, you know, my grandmother became kind of bitter over as she progressed into the disease. Yeah, But, uh, you know the the realism of this movie movie shows kind of how you slip away to almost another world. You know, I think it could actually bring up some religious issues. You know, do you still have your soul when a disease like this hits? Yeah. You know, uh, you got people or like the corollary like that. to so that, unlike their behavior. Yeah. What's what's that? The
1: corollary to that that you can say is: Do you have a soul to begin with? If if this if something like this can happen, if if your brain ceasing to function changes your personality this radically, do you have a permanent soul? So I mean, there there are lots of uh, issues that it brings up in that, and uh, you know. there are moments where Julie Christie, she just kind of is searching. Her eyes are searching, and there's nothing there. And you can only imagine that she's searching her memory. It's, she's trekking through her her memory.
0: And, and that stare is what happens. I mean, if you've ever confronted someone <clears throat> dealing with this disease, you, you find there's times where they just kind of stare searching, you know, Part of it might be, I think, they can sense from you that something is not right, but I think more so they're just trying to make sense of their thoughts, their memories of themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, like I said, she's she is fantastic, and I mean, she is, she's still very beautiful, too, considering how oh, old yeah. she is. I mean, she's a very beautiful woman. And it, it's just very a, elegant. Yeah, uh, I thought though her uh, Grant, played by Gordon Pinsett, was also gave a terrific performance, and and his role very in a lot great. of ways is a meteor role in this because he he does have those layers of complexity because there there are the darker areas of their past but but clearly he's very much in love with her and you can debate I, I think it's debatable whether or not she is as much in love with him as as he is with her i mean i i think she i she does love him but i'm not sure if she loves him as much as he loves her but it, uh it, i it mean it
0: would be tough to debate that
1: yeah i mean cuz you don't know if she acts like i mean cuz you could argue she acts like she does precisely because she loves him and doesn't want to put him through any pain, you know right or you could right. look at the fact that in some ways this is like a new life for her and kind of a liberation so i i mean it, it's a it's a very complicated movie in in that regard right. it, it
0: does bring up a lot <laughs> of different issues and it, it makes you think a lot about. These type of issues, and I think that's why the movie works on such a, not just an, an informative level, but as a, as a dramatic level, and like I said, it even brings in, you know, kind of things of religion and what you believe in as far as, you know, the afterlife, not that characters pass into the afterlife, but when, if you do have a soul isn't
1: liberated. Right, and it, it's not at all heavy-handed with any of these issues. It's it's no, very no, subtle. That,
0: that's the best part. It's right. very subtle, but it's very powerful. Yes.
1: Uh, I, I would like to talk about the technical issues for a bit, because I, I think they deserve discussion as well. I loved how the movie was cut, particularly in the beginning, because you get this very odd, acrinal... Chronological cutting of scenes, where right. at first you don't know what sequence the events happen. In. It takes you a while. Eventually, you do figure out: okay, this was A, this was B, this was C. Right, but you don't
0: read timelines there.
1: Yeah, but you don't know at first, and I think that adds to the sense of it. I mean, it's almost cutting it in a way to. Put you in the sense of this whole concept of memory being distorted and fragmentary. I agree. I agree.
0: And <sighs> what makes it more successful is the fact that these three different timelines eventually converge, and instead of just confusing the audience, it it, it all makes sense. Yeah. You know, at that moment of convergence, you you're right with it. You understand exactly what had happened. You can make sense of what you just saw.
1: Yes, because at first, if
0: anything, it, it's an achievement because people going through Alzheimer's, you know, their their memories are so distorted. I think that's a lot of times what causes the stare and right. what causes the hardship is they they distort these timelines and mix them up, placing different people at different times. And you know, they always say your short term memory is is the first to go, but yeah. You know, that's not always true, as was shown in the movie. Yeah, a
1: lot of things that um that Sarah Pauly does as a director, it, it really, it's almost like the movie is cut, as though it was cut by someone with Alzheimer's trying to tell this story. Because you're right, right. I mean, that is one of the things with Alzheimer's. Yes, you lose memory, but you also fragment it and remember things... You, you juxtapose things and you remember this person living in this place when he never really did. It was a whole different right. era of your life. And that's kind of what you get is this fragmentary storytelling. And you're right, though, by the end, you do make sense of it and it, everything does, you figure out the timelines. But it, it, it does take a while. And I thought that was a very, a very interesting choice that worked very well uh the other the other technical another technical thing i want to talk about that i felt really worked was the cinematography and i definitely i loved how often the that grant and fiona were separated by space in this movie and it just it gave you that sense of them drifting you know there. Exactly, and there, and and then all of a sudden, you'll get these scenes of them drifting apart, and then you'll get scenes where they're right together, and it, it it's kind of like that slow tug of them being pulled apart.
0: And I agree. I, I I'm sorry. Go
1: ahead. I, I I just felt that Sarah Pauly did a great job of of showing that that separation visually as well as in the narrative itself.
0: I certainly agree. I think, like 310 to Yuma, this is a beautiful movie to look at. I mean, even the minor points, such as the scenery, and I even love how the shots inside Meadow Lake, the uh, institution for those with this disease, you have kind of this blown out, kind of bloom effect lighting coming in from the windows, almost as if it is kind of another world. You know, and a lot of the shots of Grant walking down the hallway, whether it be with Fiona or just himself, you know, using that that kind of slow motion effect, it's very emotional. I love it.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. And um, another element too. Uh, With the cinematography, one scene that just sticks out is Olympia Dukakis, who also gives a good performance in this film. I agree. uh, Definitely a standout. And and her character has a lot of complex issues going on as well. But as Marion, there's this one scene when she's sitting at the dining room table and it's playing that that, uh, phone message that she left for Grant. And it's yeah. such a powerful scene. I mean, I think of all the things that scene got to me the most out of everything in the movie. Because it just, it, I mean, there's there's a truth in that because you realize that's the thing with this with Alzheimer's. It's not just the fact that the person leaves you, but the fact that even though they're left, they're not really gone, and it makes you even more lonely than you would have been if they had just died. Because right. you, it prevents you from moving on. You're just kind of stuck it does. there.
0: <clears throat> I agree. I love how they show that. And I love the one Bea Dukakis' character. I thought she played a, a great part in this movie. And I, I love how she's kind of in it to show you how there are different ways to handle this disease. I mean, she certainly handles the problems with her husband. Differently than Grant handled yeah. The problem with Fiona.
1: Well, and her husband and, is
0: also further along, too, than Fiona Right, is. right. In fact, he's gotten to the point where he can't speak anymore. Right.
1: Right. He's almost unable to function. So, yeah, I, you know, all that was great. I also thought that the movie, and this has been a theme with us the past several weeks, but I thought the movie did a great job of using silence, because I, I really think that silence—it's—it's it's an underused tool in movies, and if you have a silent scene, I think it can strike the audience more so than even with a score. And there's, I agree. There's one scene where Gordon Pinsett is staring out the window, or or um, I can't remember if he's staring out the window or if uh, Julie Christie's staring out the window, but one of them staring out the window at the other one. And, you know, I think it's Julie Christie staring at him talking to the nurse.
0: Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure the scene you were thinking of. Yes, it's her staring out the window at him.
1: And it goes up to, you know, you hear them talking, and then it goes up to the window, and it's just dead silent. You know, you don't have any of the ambient noise or anything. It's just dead silent. And it just, it really drives home the sense of isolation.
0: I agree. I love how powerful lack of sound can be. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it heightens the emotion of a shot or of a scene It's more r- so than a soundtrack. And, you
1: know, like I though, said...
0: Though I, I'm sorry, go
1: ahead. I, like I said, it's been a point I've been driving home forever now, it seems, but it's something that movies just don't do, because so many movies have wall-to-wall soundtracks, and I I do think that a musical score, and obviously sound editing are vital to a film but at the same time the absence of those can be used strategically to really make a powerful impression and films just seem afraid to have any prolonged silence in them
0: well, and i agree i think sound is a wonderful tool you know i think for scenes of action and of you know tension and gripping action I think a louder soundtrack is appropriate. Yeah. Now, as far as maybe music and stuff, well, you know that that depends on on the movie. But as far as solitude and you know the more dramatic feelings of love and sadness, I think the lack of soundtrack is much more powerful, much more emotional. Yeah. And it connects much more with the audience.
1: Uh, now, I did have one negative point, but before I get to it, was there any other positive that you wanted to bring up?
0: I actually wanted to say I, uh, another character who I liked, and that was the the director, there, Madeline, and I can't pronounce her last name from the, the movie, because it's a foreign name that I can't remember, but she's played by Wendy Cruz. Yes and you you know the character i'm speaking yes, of yes. right right i love her character in this because she kind of reminds me of the directors that i encountered at different homes i've had several yeah. family members actually fighting this disease but you know they they on the outside seem sympathetic and caring and are kind of proud of themselves for what they think they're doing For people and for families going through this, but you know, really, they're adhering to policy and business. They're they're more corporate than anything. Yeah, and I I love that about her. You know, you could see she was sympathetic and caring until Grant, you know, made a comment kind of opposing the policy, and she wasn't having it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she never turns vicious on him, but you can see that she won't budge for anything and she has truly has no sympathy for these people
1: yeah i i mean i i wasn't as harsh on her character as you are i i do i did like her character and i i think it's a little more complicated than that though because at the same time i think you have to look at it in this sense that and you're right a lot of times these directors are like this but at the same time you know it, I think some of them do it because they kind of have formed a wall and the policies kind of protect them. Because emotionally, that would be a difficult thing to deal with.
0: Uh, I agree.
1: Watching watching tons of people degrade on a daily basis. That's your job. And I think a lot of times policy and routine act as a shield to prevent them from becoming emotionally involved.
0: I certainly agree. I think you explained it much better than I could. I guess she's—I don't mean to say she's corporate and crude. Yeah, she isn't. You know, she—she's a good person. But I think you hit the nail on the head. She's kind of built a wall between her and the patients. You know, she's not trying to get attached because she knows this is a, a degenerative disease, and as of now, there's no cure, and God knows when there will be one.
1: Yeah, and a character like uh, Veronica, played by Deanna Dismari, she's going to... Uh, I, I believe that was her name, wasn't it? Yes, Okay. Yes, it was. She's someone who's going to be... Um, i You get the feeling that she's going to burn out, you know? Because she's young and kind of all into everything, but... Yeah. You have the feeling she's going to burn out. And uh, because she's so much involved. But getting into her character, that's part of what the one thing I didn't like about this film is I thought there were moments, and they were the moments that involved Veronica, where the movie became a little bit less of this brilliant character study and more of a brochure for Alzheimer's. And because they they start talking, oh, well, you know, this happened. And it was just like a factual recounting of what happens with Alzheimer's. And I didn't feel that's what the movie needed to be about.
0: I agree with you that 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 isn't what the movie should have been about. It didn't need to be a brochure, so to speak. I don't think the dialogues went on long enough, though. I mean, I, I think it's okay to kind of use the movie to speak about what the disease is and yeah and you know other people's opinions you know seeing what this disease is from her point of view. Yeah. I think if they would have gone on about it longer yes it probably would have hurt the film but as yeah. it was portrayed in the movie I would not change it.
1: It wasn't it wasn't by any means crippling but I did find it to be a slight flaw. But Alright, well, we, we have gone on about this, so I think it's time to cut things off. Uh, what, what are you going to give away from her?
0: It is getting a perfect 5 out of 5.
1: Alright, I figured you were going there. I'm, I'm going a little less. I'm going 4 out of 5 on this, just because of that minor issue I had. Also, it is something that I think would be difficult to rewatch watch uh, from an emotional standpoint. Um, that's not necessarily a bad point about the film no. because that's what they were going for, but you know. <laughs> so I'm giving it four and a, a four and a half out of five.
0: This week's top five list is our top five favorite movie outlaws. Galen. Do you have any uh, criteria this time that you're going to inform us about?
1: I do. Um, you do? Yeah. Well, it, not so much criterion, but how things turned out is that I, I, I took outlaw in the sense of rogue outlaw. So I, you know, I didn't put like murderers and things like that, not like cannibal electors, not just people who break the law. You know, and also, I, I excluded the class of, like, mafia-type outlaws, so, you know, things like Vito Don Vito and, uh, and um, Michael Corleone and Arca beyond it, because they're not, I don't view them as outlaws so much as, in, I mean, because they very much play by the laws, they just kind of make their own laws. So these are people who just kind of exist completely outside of the system.
0: I, on the other hand, since I, I am not as creative as you, I, I stuck mostly with westerns. But
1: uh, well, I I, a I have a things. number of westerns too. But all right, so you want to start or should I?
0: Go ahead. We'll start with your number five. Okay,
1: my number five. This is probably my most uh, esoteric uh, pick. Is 19 is Annie Starr and Bart Terre from 1950's Gun Crazy. It's an old film noir. And basically, these two characters, played by Ke- Peggy Cummins and John Dahl, are essentially proto-Bonnie and Clyde-type characters. You know, they're this man and this woman, and they meet, and they end up falling in love and go on a, a robbery spree. And why this sticks out to me is even more so than in Bonnie and Clyde, these two characters form a bond together. And it's just, they have such great chemistry that it's great to watch them. And, you know, like it's typical in noir, they've kind of forsook the system because they've realized that playing by the system, they're not going to ever get anywhere in life. So they decide to strike out and become outlaws.
0: A very good choice, probably much better than most of mine would be.
1: <laughs> it's a really good movie, so I encourage people who haven't seen it to check it out.
0: Okay. My number five choice is Angel, played by Alfred Molina from the movie Maverick. Oh. Um, the Ma- Maverick movie wasn't wildly accepted by critical critics, it's kind of a, a guilty pleasure, you know, popcorn movie. But I enjoyed it. I think Mel Gibson and Jodie Foster in it both were great, and I I liked Alfred Molina kind of playing the the head outlaw of this group of bandits as Mel Gibson and Jodie Foster's character are constantly kind of stealing and fighting and escaping Angel's gang to collect $3,000 to enter a poker tournament, of course. Me being kind of a poker fan is why I put this movie on here. I love the poker scenes in this movie. But, again, I like Alfred Molina. Everything I've seen him in, I've I've really liked. I'd like to see The Hoax, which is... Is that out yet or not?
1: It's coming out October 9th, I believe.
0: Well, I'd like to see it. I liked him as Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And it looks like he actually has a couple other good movies on the way.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good movie.
0: I I, uh, I enjoyed it as well.
1: All right, um, I guess that's another criterion I had is that most of mine are actually heroes, even though they're outlaws. Oh. Um, that wasn't really something I intended to do. It just is how it happened. Uh, my uh, my number four choice is Marv from Sin City, played by Mickey Rourke. And I, you know, he he's definitely, uh, definitely an outlaw because I mean he's someone who's constantly on the run from the cops, and he he certainly has no regard for law of any kind. He's definitely out there playing by his own rules, his own standards, and he, you know, if you get in his way, he's going to get rid of you and take your code. So, you know, that, <laughs> <coughs> that's that's. By b- certain. I I love his character in that film though, and and definitely I mean Sin City has a lot of good outlaws, the the girls of Old Town, you know, and, as well as uh, um, Clive Owen's character, um, which his name's eluding me now, but
0: Clive Owen's character, yes,
1: um, but it really just a great uh, I, I I think Marv stands out though, I, he just is such a quirky character. His lines are hilarious, and how he delivers them, and he's definitely one of the great movie badasses of all time. So that's my yeah. number four
0: choice. Well, of course, I'm going to say that was an excellent choice. In fact, we'll later see that I think it is one of the most excellent choices that you could have, <laughs> but uh, we'll save it for later. <laughs> and Dwight was the name of Dwight's character, just to clarify that. <laughs> But uh, my number four choice is, again, another Western, as most of mine are. And it is, well, the outlaw in it is Bill Brocius, who is the leader of the band of cowboys that come back to attack Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp in the movie Tombstone. Okay. This was another movie that actually released, I think it released before Maverick. I think this movie was 1993 or something close to that. But again, this is one of those movies where you have kind of an all-star cast of Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer, (laughs) Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, uh, and they all play off each other, similar to Christian Bale and Russell Crowe in 310 to Yuma. Of course, Tombstone is nowhere near as good as 310 to Yuma, but it's still, I think a great movie, very enjoyable to watch. And I think Bill Brocious is the leader of the Cowboys Makes a great villain and a good outlaw. Yeah,
1: you're absolutely right. I mean, Tombstone is a good movie, and that's a good choice. Uh, my number three choice is William Money, Clint Eastwood's character from Unforgiven. Yeah, you know, I, I think Unforgiven is one of you know my favorite westerns of all time. Uh, just a fantastic film, and in this film, I mean, William Money is really. In a lot of ways, he's kind of like the man with no name, God Old. And you see him, he's, <laughs> he's trying to pull away from his past, and he's successfully done so for years. And then, you know, he gets back pulled into um, lawlessness. And very much, I mean, you see his character change from this guy who's trying to still be a, a good religious Christian man in the West and he he slowly starts to get sucked into the world of the outlaw and by the end of the film when he's he's chasing down little bill you know he has become will bill money the murderer again and you see it in his eyes and in his posturing and you you know he eventually does go back to his law abiding life but you know he To watch that transformation is really incredible.
0: Well, again, I think that's another good choice. Uh, My number three choice is actually something we talked about on today's show. But I love the movie so much, and I think we both love the character very, very much. And that is Ben Wade from 310 to Yuma. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we need to go through the discussion again of why his character is so great, but Russell Crowe does, just does you know, the performance of a lifetime with him.
1: Yeah, that's a great choice. I, I chose to leave him out simply because we did talk about him earlier, but really an excellent choice, and he certainly has every right being up here. My number two choice, in a lot of ways, defines Outlaw in every sense of the word, Han Solo from Star Wars. It,
0: yeah.
1: You know, he he is the quintessential mercenary. You know, he's a smuggler. He's out for his own. You know, and he he's basically you he's very much the outlaw. He's not concerned with laws or rules or regulations. He's just out trying to get his. He's certainly the lovable rogue and the charming and noble rogue. But he never quite su- is willing to submit to authority, and that to me defines Outlaw more than anything else.
0: Of course, that's an excellent choice. Um, we all, I think, can agree that we all like Han Solo, and yes, I, being a big Star Wars fan, always applaud that choice of, of putting that on any list. My number two, though, is again another western, and it's actually the three gunslingers from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Oh. Tucko, Blondie, and Angel Eyes. Uh, I. This is actually the only three of the Sergio Leone's spaghetti westerns that I've seen in full. I've only seen clips of the others, and I really want to see the others because I love this one. And most They're all them, good, but Good,
1: The Bad, and The Ugly is the
0: best. Yeah, I love the <laughs> showdown. And- it's probably you know the best showdown in Western history. you know the genre will never get any better than this and this movie was made like back in the middle 60s. but I, I think it's awesome how the movie uses these three characters you know each of them knows part of where the, the hidden gold is and they kind of have to use each other and beg borrow and steal to, to put the the, font, the actual location together. Together. And then, then comes to the three of them in the final showdown. It's just a great great piece of filmmaking here.
1: Absolutely. And that is why, as you'll see, my number one choice, I just referred to him as the man with no name, played by Clint Eastwood in the Sergio Leone Westerns. You know, all three of them, A Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, and Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. The, the man with no name character is really the the quintessential outlaw i I think all of our ideas and concepts of the the noble outlaw come from Clint
0: Eastwood in these films and i agree it's it's <laughs> like the the movie or the the western genre kind of hit its highest point early in its stages yeah i i,
1: I think stages. so i mean you know you definitely don't want to. Passover performance, you know things like John Wayne and Rio Bravo and Gary Cooper and High Noon, but but both of those characters were never they didn't generally play the outlaw as a rule. Right, they were always the good guy. And Clint Eastwood, while good, was clearly a lawbreaker, and he was very much a character part of this lawless West where. It was the concept of, you could have honor, which his character does have honor, but he has no allegiance to any law of any kind, and he's just out to get his, and he never really changes from
0: that. Like you said, he's kind of like the defining outlaw character that future movies are kind of measured up against. Yeah,
1: I mean, and the reason... Go ahead.
0: I was just going to comment, as three ten to Yuma know shows us that westerns will still hopefully still be good this one certainly is and in the future i'm sure we'll still have good movies good westerns they just are getting few and far between now whereas back in the 60s and the 50s and even 70s you know they were they were you had many many good ones and they were a dime a dozen
1: yeah yeah it's really i mean in in and... You know, one of the reasons Han Solo is number two and the man with no name is number one is because Han Solo essentially is the man with no name character in a lot of ways. Right. Um, you know, he, he's a lot more... <laughs> he, he's definitely not as laconic as the uh, man with no name. I mean, he, he's definitely a lot more sarcastic and a lot more talkative. <laughs> but right. it's the same concept of this guy who's out for his own. But still has a moral code he lives by. If not
0: a, if
1: if he doesn't respect the legal authority.
0: Right. Well, of course I think you made a wonderful choice. My number one choice is the only non-Western that I chose, and I think we all know what it is because I gave it away. And it's from a movie that I promised I'd put on as many top fives as I could. (laughs) Done so on this. It is Marv from Sin City. Yeah. I just, I love his character. I I love Mickey Rourke, period. You know, if I didn't put Marv from Sin City on this, I might put Mickey Rourke's character from the movie Domino on here because he's, you know, equally pretty much an outlaw. I guess in that, that he's more a mercenary, but yeah. You know, he certainly thinks nothing of the law and that rules were made to be broken. Yes. <clears throat> so, Marv and Mickey Rourke in general is just a wonderful, wonderful actor. I hope he does many more cool things to come. Yeah.
1: Uh, I just wanted to mention a, a, a few of my honorable mentions. Uh, I had um, Robin Hood, the Errol Flynn as Robin Hood in The Adventures of Robin Hood. Uh, and, and, you know, that just a great swashbuckler. Uh, of course, Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean, the good one. Uh, ben Wade, you mentioned. Malcolm Reynolds from Serenity, I, I thought is a good one. The re- the only reason he didn't yeah, make my list <coughs> is that in a lot of ways he's kind of a riff on Han Solo. Uh, Leon from The Professional. And Butch Cassidy and Sundance, of course, that start off our show every week. Right. Did you have any honorable mentions?
0: No, I I had a tough time coming up with this list, actually. I'm not sure why. They just didn't come to me like they used to. So no honorable mentions from me.
1: All right. Well, that's our list, and we look forward to hearing yours. Okay, now it's time to take a look at uh, DVD releases for this coming week. Kind of a slow week; nothing too good coming out. We have the release of We Are Marshall, which looked pretty boring. Uh, Lucky You, the the poker movie. I know you're a poker fan, Doug, but that certainly didn't look good. The Drew Barrymore, uh, Eric Dane film.
0: Get, so that didn't get good reviews. See, I thought it. It's, I think I will
1: see it. But. It's 28% on Rotten Tomatoes, so Ooh, pretty bad. bad. It is not. Um, that's, you have The Condemned, a horrible looking little film starring professional wrestlers. Uh About they're like, put on, it's like a reality show where criminals kill each other or something. So, that doesn't look all that promising. Um, that's really about it i mean it's 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 a slow week for good movies or bad, but uh in theaters it's a little better, but not not a whole lot uh actually no, it's not better at all <laughs> so we have the release of the Jane Austen Book Club, which it looks like it might be decent i I don't know I mean it might be a decent. Chick flick or woman's film type of uh, type of movie. Then you have Good Luck Chuck with the always hateable Dane Cook and the always but hot always Jessica loved. Alba. Yes. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, you know, if I want to see eye candy, I can surf the internet. I don't need to watch a horrible movie with Dane Cook for an
0: hour. An hour. I, I think it might be funny, <laughs> just so Dane Cook doesn't ruin it, but. I think you're probably wrong on that, but we'll, we'll see. Well, I'm not saying it's probably going to, but I'm just saying if he wouldn't ruin, it, I think it looked like a funny concept. Well,
1: fair enough. And then we have the movie that is sure to win the Oscar for Best Picture this year, Resident Evil Extinction. Someone needs to kill Mila Jovovich, I think, because she's not stopping on her own. She's she's not going to stop. She's good no, she didn't even have a line. Did, did she? Did yeah, she it even? Just,
0: it was the bizarre kind of language. Till she learned how to speak English, then I think she had maybe two or three lines.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're right. Riveting performance.
0: So that's I it. Just like orange straps and the old chair. Yeah, but she's not even really hot. That's the thing. Like,
1: like the difference. All right, well, I guess if you like skeleton, she's kind of... Other than that, (laughs) not really into the skeleton, so, you know, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. But, so that's what we have to look... What's that?
0: I said I suppose. All
1: right, well, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one, but, like I said, but, um, so that that's what we have. It's not very promising. There are some things in limited release, like the Valley of Ela and the um, Eastern Promises that we talked about next week, so maybe we'll try to see one of them, because there's just not a whole lot coming out this week that looks that good. But we'll, we'll put together a show for you next week somehow, <laughs> regardless of what we have to force ourselves to watch. Okay, that's all for today's show. If you would like to review any of the ratings that we gave the movies that we covered today, please visit thosemovieguys.blogspot.com. There you can find more in-depth reviews, our star ratings, as well as links to items that we may have covered in the show. Plus, you can subscribe to our
0: feed. Also, you can visit Google Groups at groups.google.com. And when you're there, search for those movie guys. You can post a message to our forums. And you can also email us at thosemovieguys@gmail.com. at gmail.com. It's thosemovieguys at gmail.com. We look forward to
1: any feedback that you can give us about why we're retarded.
0: I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for tonight. Bye.